Solomon and he just, I mean, he just messed up really badly. And so we're going to talk about uh, King Rehoboam this morning, beginning in 1 Kings chapter 12 and verse 1. <clears throat> Rehoboam went to Shechem, for all Israel would come to Shechem to make him king. Uh, as soon as Jeroboam, the son of Nebat, heard of it, for he was still in Egypt where he had fled from King Solomon, then Jeroboam returned from Egypt. And they sent and called him, and Jeroboam and all the assembly of Israel came and said to Rehoboam, uh, your father made our yoke heavy. Now, therefore, lighten the hard service of your father and his heavy yoke on us, and we will serve you. He said to them, Jer- uh, Rehoboam said to them, in verse 5 here, Go away for three days, then come again to me. So the people went away. Will you join me in prayer? Fathers, we get ready to just go into your word. I pray that you would... Give us eyes to see and ears to hear, and God, that you would give us hearts to understand, and, and Lord, that you just give us the grace and the strength we need to obey. God, we need your help. I need your help. Lord, I can't preach without you, Lord. I cannot I do anything without you. None of us can, Lord, and so we need you in this place this morning. Lord, as there are so many things that are bigger and heavier than, than we can handle or that we can control or that we can hold up under, Lord, we need your grace. God, we need your peace. We need your strength. And so, Lord, I pray that you would give it to us now. Lord, give us your wisdom and your guidance as we look at your word. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. And so, Rehoboam is a guy who inherited a mess from his father, Solomon. These guys showed up on his doorstep, first day on the job, and said, Hey, we don't like what your dad was doing, and so we want you to stop it. He gave us too many taxes. He put too hard of a yoke on us. And as a result of that, we're sick of it. We want you to to back off a little bit. That's what Rehoboam walks into. He didn't didn't create this mess. He inherits this mess. How many many of y'all have ever felt like there's a lot of things, a lot of messes in your life that aren't necessarily things you did? Like you inherited things from your parents or you inherited things from, from folks around you. I know sometimes we don't feel like it's fair that we have to clean up other people's messes. I know that's something in our house that kids kind of get upset when I make them help clean up a mess that their brother made or their sister made. Come on, Dad, that's not fair. I didn't make that mess. That's something that you learn at a very young age. And so I just explained to them that life's not fair, that we all have to clean up other people's messes from time to time. We, we all have to get our hands dirty and help other people out. Well, this is Rehoboam. He enters into a time where the, the world or his, his uh, nation is in a mess. Solomon, when he inherited the kingdom from David, did things differently. David, when he was the king, he didn't have a whole lot of government. He didn't have a whole lot of politicians. He had kind of kept the government small. He's a small government guy. Well, Solomon's a big government guy. He had politicians to deal with the politicians who were dealing with the politicians. I mean, he just he spared no expense. It became a very large nation, a very large bureaucracy under him. And so the people were sick of this. They were sick of the mess or sick of all the stuff that Solomon had put on them. And so when they come to Rehoboam and ask for help, Rehoboam didn't do this. Solomon had done it. But guess what? It's still his mess. You see, what Rehoboam learned is what we need to learn. And that's the messes we inherit are still our messes. Guys, just because we didn't make it doesn't mean we're not responsible to clean it up. Like if you show up at a job on day one and someone else has done a poor job and it's your job to fix it, you can't walk around saying, this isn't my problem. This isn't my problem. It actually is your problem. There's a big difference between it being your fault and your responsibility. 
There's a big difference. Oh, maybe I should have fixed my line a little better. Hold on just a second. Let me get that right. So anyway, I felt like I was trying to flip my ponytail around. Yeah, going back in time a little bit, you know. But uh, I never had a ponytail. But, uh, anyway, just to clear that up in case you were wondering. But, but anyway, uh, you know, just because something is not necessarily our fault does not mean it's not our responsibility to deal with. I, it, it may not be your fault that you come from a broken home. But it is your responsibility to do all you can to do right by your family. It may not be your fault that that person uh, made you angry. But it is your responsibility to move past that anger, to forgive and to move on and show them the grace that God has shown you. It may not be your fault that your coworkers didn't do their job. But your responsibility is to do the best job that you can do. Guys, just because we didn't make a mess doesn't mean we're not supposed to clean it up. You know, we... You think about it, for those of you who've had small children, you know that they make messes that you've got to clean up. Like that dirty diaper may not be your fault, but it is your responsibility. And if you wait long enough, you're going to do it just out of necessity, right? I mean, you're going to clean that dirty diaper. Well, the, the same thing is true in life. Guys, there is stuff around us that stinks. And there are messes around us that stink, but we're still called to fix them. We're still called to clean it up. And so just because it's not our fault doesn't mean it's not our responsibility. So Rehoboam's sitting there day one, King Rehoboam, on his coronation day. Everybody's come together, and they say, hey, the country's in a mess, and it's your job to fix it. Imagine that, day one. And so we come to verse 6. And we see uh, what Rehoboam does. So verse 6, he tells him, go away, let me think about it for a little bit. Verse 6 says, Then King Rehoboam took counsel with the old men who had stood before Solomon, his father, while he was yet alive, saying, How do you advise me to answer this people? And they said to him, If you will be a servant to this people today and serve them and speak good words to them, when you answer them, they will be your servants forever. And so we see that when we're trying to clean up a mess that maybe we didn't inherit, the first thing we need to do is to seek counsel, to seek advice, to listen to what other people have to say. Uh, it's important that we don't jump into the middle of something without first getting some wisdom from other people. There's a, there's a wonderful old quote that says that not to tear down a fence until you know why it was put there. I, I have a tendency, or I've had a tendency, to, I've had to learn this the hard way, because see what happens is, is you tear down that fence and then the bull comes running out. You're like, oh, so that's why the fence was there, right? And, and we've all experienced that in our life. We go in thinking we know what the problem is, thinking we know what the solution is. And so we begin to work, we begin to say things we maybe shouldn't have said. We may begin to tell everybody what they ought to be doing and how they ought to be doing it. And before we know it, we've made an even bigger problem than was there to begin with. Because we weren't dealing with all the facts. And so Rehoboam, he does at least one thing smart. He seeks counsel before he does anything. He listens, or he doesn't actually listen. We'll see that here in a minute. But he at least seeks counsel. He seeks counsel from the wise people or from these wise, I was going to call them wise guys, but I don't think that's right. The, the Bible calls them old men. And so these old men, he goes to them and he says, what should I do? Now these men were men that had served uh, with Solomon. Y'all remember Solomon? He's the, the wisest man to have ever lived. He's a wise king. He's a man who just understood things that other people didn't understand. He, he uh, had done, uh, God had given him this supernatural wisdom to deal with things. And so that's who Solomon was. And so these men that Rehoboam goes to, the, these are the men who stood before Solomon. These are the men who, when Solomon needed advice, 
when Solomon needed someone to bounce something off of, when Solomon needed to figure out something, these are the guys that the wisest men had, had went to. These are the ones who Solomon sought counsel from. I think they may know what's up. I think they may have some good advice. What do you think? And so they, they, he goes to them and they give him advice. They say, be a servant to the people today. If you'll be a servant to these people, they will serve you forever. Like, Rehoboam, the crown may be on your head, but you're not actually king yet. You may have the title, but that doesn't make you these people's leader. If you will serve them, if you will do what they're asking of you, if you'll swallow your ego, swallow your pride and serve them, do right by them, show them that you're for them, they will return the favor. They will serve you. In other words, if you will put off what you want right now, respect, in the long run, you'll get it. If you'll put off right now what you want, if you'll wait on what you want right now, you'll get it in the long run. So often we're, we're short-sighted, aren't we? We, we? we think that we know what's best. And we want what we want right now. It's so hard to convince you know, kids, for example, they hate doing homework. You know, I don't understand why I've got to go to school. I don't understand why I've got to do this. They don't understand the importance that it's going to play later on. We, we live in this society that, you know, we, we want everything right now. I, I think uh, y'all may remember, I, I don't know if I've ever shared this with you, but uh, pizza rolls are something that I enjoy to eat. Well, some of you ha- have instructed me that cooking them in the oven is the best method, right? They're not soggy. They're crispy on the outside. You know, they're good that way. I never cook them in the oven. It's always the microwave. Like 30 seconds, a minute, they're done. You have this soggy thing that's full of molten lava. Uh, <laughs> and so, you know, if you don't wait long enough, it can burn. I, I had a blister on the top of my mouth for like two weeks the other the, here a while back. It's just now healing up. But, but it's just this reminder of slow down, wait a little bit, be patient. If you put in the extra 20 minutes to eat pizza rolls, it'll be a little better. I know you're like, who cares about pizza rolls? But if you think about life, it's the same truth. If we just wait a little bit, if we just put in a little extra time now, we'll get what we want later. The problem is, is we want everything right now. We don't want to put in the hard work of seeking advice of seeking counsel. We don't want to put in the hard work of studying and and figuring out what's going on. We don't want to put in the hard work of serving people around us and gaining their respect. We want to demand it right now. And so these men say, listen, uh, Rehoboam, listen to these people. Give them what they want. Give in. Compromise with them and they will serve you forever. Put off what you want right now so that you can get what you really want later. These wise men, these wise guys, give him good advice. But he doesn't really listen. Look at verse 8. And so at first he seeks out wise men, verse 8, or wise people. But he abandoned the counsel that the old men gave him and took counsel with the young men who had grown up with him and stood before him. And he said to them, What do you advise that we answer this people who have said to me, Lighten the yoke that your father put on us? And the young men who had grown up with him said to him, Thus you shall speak to the people who said to you, Your father made our yoke are heavy, but you lighten it for us. Thus you shall say to them, My little finger is thicker than my father's thighs. And now whereas my father laid on you a heavy yoke, I will add to your yoke. My father disciplined you with whips, but I will discipline you with scorpions. In other words, you tell them what's up. You tell them whatever you want to tell them because you're the king. He had banded the advice that the, the old men had given him. And he went and he sought out the yes men. 
He, he abandoned the, the, the wise people and he sought out the, the, the yes people, the people who, wanted, who told him what he wanted to hear. He didn't listen to what the other people said because that's not what he wanted to do. He'd already made up his mind before he ever sought out advice. He already knew what he was going to do. So he went to his buds. He went to the guys he graduated high school with, the people who had grown up with him, the people who had the same amount of life experience as what he had, who in fact stood before him, which means they worked for him. You think they're going to disagree with him? No. They're going to tell him exactly what he wants to hear. I, I have a friend who, um, when, when stuff's going on and I need to make a decision, I'll call him and, and I'll say, you know, I'll tell him what's going on or, you know, if I need to make a decision. He'll say, now, do you want me to actually tell you the truth uh, or do you want me to pretend that what you're about to do is, is smart? You know, do you, do you want me to let you keep being dumb or can I actually tell you the truth right now? It's so important to have people in your life Guys, who you can go to and say, is this what I should do? And for them to actually tell you the truth, to actually give you good advice. What happens so often is, is we go to people who tell us what we want to hear. We put stuff on Facebook or we put it wherever so that other people will, will join in and say, yeah, you're right. right? We, we go to our friends who say, yeah, girl, that's right. You should do that. You, how dare them? You know, go back and tell them this. Go back and tell them that. Instead of going to the people who say, no. I'd probably back off a little bit. You know, the truth is that a lot of times what happens is, is those people who tell you what, whatever you want to hear to your face are saying you're so smart, you're so good. But then behind your back are saying, man, they're so dumb, I can't believe they're about to do this. Watch this. Which is like, you know, when you're... I, I have some stories, but I won't share them from when I was growing up. And sometimes we would talk our friends into doing stuff like, you know, ramping over concrete blocks or whatever, like, ha, oh, watch this, you know. And I think sometimes we never grow out of that. We never grow out of simply sitting back and watching other people get hurt instead of giving them good, wise advice. Rehoboam goes to the people who's going to tell him what he wants to hear because he wants to do whatever he wants to do. And, and here's the result. When we, when we refuse or we ignore wise people and we listen to yes people, we do really dumb things. The end result is when we ignore the people in our life who actually make sense, who have actually been there, done that, and we start listening to the people, our peers, who are going to tell us whatever we want to hear, we end up doing really, really dumb things. And so that's what Rehoboam does here in verse 12. So Jeroboam and all the people came to Rehoboam the third day, as the king said, come to me again the third day. And the king answered the people harshly, instead of speaking kindly like he was told to do, and forsaking the counsel that the old men had given him. He spoke to them according to the counsel of the young men, saying, My father made your yoke heavy, but I will add to your yoke. My father disciplined you with whips, but I will discipline you with scorpions. In other words, you haven't seen anything yet. You thought it was tough under my dad? You just wait till you get a piece of me. You just wait till I, I get a hold of you. He whipped you? I'm going to put pieces of metal on the end of the whips and hit you with those. You thought he hurt you? Oh, you, you haven't seen anything yet. And the end result is that the, the kingdom splits, never to, to be brought back together until a long, long time. He, he destroys everything that he'd inherited on his first day on the job. Think about that for a minute. And so he, he didn't listen to the people who knew what was going on. Instead, he listened to the people his own age, to the people who told him what he wanted to hear, trying to get what he wanted right now. And he lost everything. So, so what do we do with that? Why, why does God allow these things to happen? Verse 15 is an important verse 
Uh, hopefully, Wednesday night we may go a little deeper here. We don't have time this morning to unpack everything behind this. But verse 15, it says, So the king did not listen to the people, for it was a turn of affairs brought about by the Lord, that he might fulfill his word, which the Lord spoke by Ahijah the Shalonite the, to Jeroboam the son of Nebat. In other words, God had planned all this out. God's will will be done. Rehoboam didn't listen. This was part of God's plan. God had already spoken these words. He had already promised Jeroboam that he was going to be king of the, of the northern tribes. This was something that God was using Rehoboam to do to fulfill his purposes. Does this mean that Rehoboam uh, did this because God made him do it? No. Rehoboam chose to do this. God didn't make Rehoboam do this. God just used Rehoboam's foolishness to accomplish his purposes. God writes the end from the beginning, remember? He's never shocked or surprised by our mistakes. He's never shocked or surprised by the messes we make. He sees them coming from a long way out. He knows who we are. He knows what we're going to do. And sometimes he prevents us and sometimes he doesn't. This is something we see in the book of Jonah where God tells Jonah he's going to destroy Nineveh. Jonah goes and tells Nineveh, God's going to destroy you and they repent. God turns back from his anger. He turns back from his wrath. Rehoboam could have repented. Rehoboam could have trusted the Lord, but instead he chose not to. Instead he chose to do whatever he wanted to do, and God used even his wickedness, even his selfishness, to accomplish his purposes. Guys, whatever mess you're in this morning, whatever mess you've created, God is not shocked. He is not surprised. He is right there. He is still going to work out his plans according to his purpose in your life. All things work together for the good of those who love God, who are called according to his purpose, even our mistakes. And so, uh, like I said, we'll get into that maybe a little deeper Wednesday night. But look, look at verse 16. And when all Israel saw that the king did not listen to them, the people answered the king, What portion do we have in David? We have no inheritance in the son of Jesse. To your tents, O Israel. Look now to your own house, David. So Israel went to their tents. What this means basically is they're ready to fight. To go to your tent was to declare war. Go and go to the mattresses. Go, uh, we're about to, to go to war. Uh, but Rehoboam reigned over the people of Israel who lived in the cities of Judah. Then King Rehoboam sent Adoram, who was taskmaster, over the forced labor, and all Israel stoned him to death with stones. Rehoboam still didn't get that he wasn't king. He was still trying and it wasn't working. So Rehoboam hurried to, his ma- to mount his chariot to flee to Jerusalem. So Israel has been in rebellion against the house of David to this day. So basically, everything that had taken place up to this point is reversed. When you begin in the books of Samuel, you see God building a kingdom uh, through good, godly kings, humble kings, kings who followed, well, David anyway, not Saul, right? Saul didn't do such a good job. But you see David come in and he begins to pull the people together and begins to unite the tribes of Israel so that they're the strong nation. Solomon builds on that. He goes too far. He didn't guard his heart. But he, he builds on that. And then Rehoboam comes along. And shows the attitude of someone who's never really had to work for anything, but expects everything. He shows someone who is, who is spoiled and thinks that they deserve everything on day one. And so because of his entitlement, because of his pridefulness, he loses everything. He undoes everything. There's this huge reversal. And so God punishes the kingdom. He punishes the entire kingdom, not just because of Rehoboam, but because of all their attitudes. But God is merciful, and God is good. And so uh, if you would look at with me over at Second Chronicles chapter 12, Second Chronicles chapter 12, verse 8, 
Because I, I want you to see how God spares the people. Rehoboam begins to repent, and as he repents, God uh, doesn't absolutely destroy them. In fact, he protects them. And so instead of destroying them, God decides to protect them. And so God says, instead of destroying them, verse 8, nevertheless, they shall be servants to him. Speaking of a king of uh, Egypt that comes up to attack them. Nevertheless, they shall be servants to him, that they may know my service in the, in the service of the kingdoms of the countries. Verse 9 says, so uh, Shishak, king of Egypt, came up against Jerusalem. He took away the treasures of the house of the Lord and the treasures of the king's house. He took away everything. He also took away the shields of gold that Solomon had made. And so here we see that focusing on, short, on the short term leads to loss in the long term. Rehoboam wanted everything. What did he lose? Everything. His big talk led to nothing. He was a telephone tough guy, right? I mean, when push came to shove, Rehoboam really didn't have anything to back up all the talk he had been given. And so he, he, when it came down to it, he lost everything. His pride cost him everything. If he had just shown some patience and some humility, he could have seen all these years of prosperity. But instead, he, he ends up with a broken kingdom. And he ends up losing all these things because he refused to simply humble himself and be patient. As I was thinking about this, I, I thought about the fact that humility and patience are the Windex of life's messes. I don't, I don't know about y'all, but when I was a single man, Windex was what I used to clean everything. And so that's why I say that. I don't know if it's proper or not. But So like if the counter was dirty, I used Windex. Window was dirty, I didn't clean it. But uh, I mean, uh, but whatever it was, whatever mess it was, I just used Windex because it's an all-purpose cleaner. Right? I, don't, I don't know if it really is or not, but it felt good. It made everything shiny. Well, it cleaned up all my messes, or at least I feel like it did. Humility and patience are like that in life. They, it cleans, they clean up just about any mess we can find ourselves in. If we will be humble enough to say, I don't have all the answers. I don't know everything about everything. Well, I, it, this may not be my fault, but it is my responsibility. And if we will go to people around us who are wiser than we are, further down the road than we are, and ask them for help, most of the time they're willing to give it. If we will listen, if we're humble enough to receive guidance, if we're humble enough to receive people's instruction in our lives, we can see God work in us in spite of whatever situation we may find ourselves in. And then when you add in patience, you add in the fact that, you know, we, we don't have to have it all fixed right now. We don't have it, have it all fixed this moment. We don't have to have everything about everything right now. When we, we can wait on it, we don't force things. Guys, there's not many messes in our life that God can't get us through. There's not many messes in our life. Right, well, there's no mess He can't get us through, but there's no mess that can't be cleaned by that. I mean, there are some exceptions where you have to break out the scrub brush, right? And that's a, a different thing. But, but whatever you're going through this morning, whatever you're, you're struggling with, if you take time to listen to the people around you, if you take time to, to just allow God to work, your messes will most of the time take care of themselves. Or God will at least give you the people in your life that will help guide you through them. You may not feel like it in the middle of it, you may feel like you're going to lose your mind before it's actually fixed. But if you can hold it together and you can be humble before the Lord and wait on Him to change things, that's when we begin to see God move. And so Rehoboam, he doesn't do that. He jumps in the middle of it. He decides he's going to fix it. He doesn't listen. He's not patient. He causes all these problems. He loses everything. He even loses the golden shields that Solomon had made. Look at verse 10. And King Rehoboam made in their place shields of bronze, and committed them to the hands of the officers of the guard who kept the door of the king's house. 
And as often as the king went into the house of the Lord, the guard came and carried them and brought them back to the guard room. So Rehoboam replaces the gold shields with bronze shields. He went from having a golden kingdom to having a bronze kingdom. Every day when he walks in, every time when he walks out, he's reminded that he undid everything his grandfather and his father had done. He had made this mess even messier. God uses this. This is what I mean by he works out all things to the good of those who uh, love God, who are called according to his purposes. I, I really believe that these things that happen in Rehoboam's life are what God uses to humble him, to bring him to his knees, to make him realize he, he actually does need the Lord. We, we see this when we look at verse 12. And when he humbled himself, the wrath of the Lord turned from him so as to not make a complete destruction. Moreover, conditions were good in Judah. So King Rehoboam grew strong in Jerusalem and reigned. Rehoboam was 41 years when he began to reign, and he reigned 17 years in Jerusalem, the city that the Lord had chosen out of all the tribes of Israel to put his name there. His mother's name was Nama the Ammonite. Here we see God's grace for dummies. <laughs> I mean, this guy was a dummy, right? I mean, he did things he ought not to do. He, he made a mess out of everything. He, he walked into a mess, and he made it even worse. But when he humbles himself, God strengthens him to reign over the city that he chose as his favorite. Rehoboam ends up being the leader of God's favorites. All because he humbled himself. God's grace is always bigger and always greater than the mess we make. God's grace is always bigger and always greater than the mistakes we make. When we respond in anger and pride, we can make a lot of mistakes. But when we humble ourselves before the Lord, when we ask for his forgiveness, he is always faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. When we respond with selfishness and self-service, yes, we can make a mess. But when we humble ourselves, he fixes it or he fixes us. Quit, quit trying to tell him it's not your fault. Quit trying to blame your problems on everyone else. Take ownership this morning of the fact that you have messed up. Humble yourself before the Lord. Quit arguing with him. Confess your sins to him. Guys, if God showed grace to this guy, he'll show grace to you. I mean, Rehoboam, he, he couldn't exactly blame what he did on uh, you know, youthfulness. He was 41 years old. It's not like he's just starting off. Like He, he had to start, uh, after this, he had to start all over. He's older than 41 when he finally humbles himself before the Lord. But it wasn't too late. He'd, he'd started off completely wrong. He had divided the kingdom that he inherited. But God forgave him. God restored him and actually God strengthened him. And I, I don't know where you're at this morning. I don't know what messes you're in the middle of. But God can take you and he can change you and he can mold you into who he would have you to be if you'll simply humble yourself before him and ask for his forgiveness. God has so much more grace for you. He has so much more grace for you than all of your sins and all of your mistakes and all of the messes you've made. He wants to save you. He wants to forgive you. He loves you so much He sent Jesus to die in your place. And all you have to do is say, Lord, I want your forgiveness. I want your salvation. And He will give it. Guys, Rehoboam couldn't fix what he broke. The kingdom that he broke stayed broken. He could not fix it. Only the Lord Himself could fix it. God is not asking you this morning to fix what you've broken. He's not asking you this morning to clean up your mess. Jesus cleaned it for you. Jesus fixed it for you on the cross. 
We can't fix what we've broken. We cannot fix God's law. We cannot fix our relationship with Him. Only Jesus can do that. So quit trying to fix it on your own. Humble yourself before Him and ask for His forgiveness. If you've never believed on Him, you've never trusted on Jesus, take this moment this morning to trust on Him, to believe on Him. Say, Lord, I'm sorry. Forgive me. Make me new. If you're in the middle of a mess, either by someone else or by your own self, say, Lord, forgive me. Forgive me for what I've done. Don't, don't say, well, I promise if you forgive me, I'll fix it, because you can't. Claim the fact that He's already forgiven you in Christ, or He's already made it uh, right in Christ. Trust Him. Believe on Him. He's offering you salvation this morning. He's offering you forgiveness this morning, if you'll just take it. If you would pray with me. Father, I thank You. Lord, I thank You for Your grace. I thank You for Your mercy. God, I thank You for Your love. Lord, I thank You for the fact that no matter uh, what we do or or how we've done it, Lord, that you offer forgiveness for us. God, that you offer grace for us in Christ. Lord, I pray that you would heal uh, the, the brokenness in our lives and in our hearts this morning. God, that you would strengthen those who, who need your strength. Lord, that you would remind us of our weaknesses. Lord, that you would show us where uh, we need to serve you. God, where we've messed up. God, where we've made a mess of things, Lord, and that you would provide repentance, God, provide salvation for us through Christ. Lord, I pray that if there's any here who haven't trusted on you, that you would draw them to yourself this morning. And God, I pray for those who have, Lord, that you would just deepen the relationship with you, deepen their trust of you. Lord, I pray that you would be with us during this time of commitment, Lord, that we would commit our hearts and our lives to you each and every day. Lord, we love you in Jesus' name. Amen.